0: Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going
1: on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on Pit podcast. But as you can see, this is the crossover graphic. It's a locked on crossover today on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Pit and Locked on Blue Devils, as I have Locked on Blue Devils host J.J. Jackson here to preview the big matchup between Pitt and Duke and J.J. Today, really big game for both of these teams, of course, and I'm really excited to do this crossover with you, man.
0: Let's have some fun, Nick. It's going to be a great game a little bit later tonight. We've got a lot of things that we want to talk about. Time to have some fun. Let's get it.
1: Absolutely. Time to have some fun. But before we get into that, I want to let you know this episode of Locked On Crossover is brought to you by Run Your Pool because today's episode of that is March Madness is here and it's coming even quicker and if you are a blue devils fan in this case certainly if you're not a pit fan you're not going to be filling out many brackets with pit in it this year but if you are a blue devils fan you will be filling out bracket and brackets and marsh masses here and run your pool has a better way to create your bracket runyourpool.com the premier sports pool hosting service make sure to go check that out folks more on that later but jj i think we we have to talk about the imminent storyline of this game, and it's obviously Coach is going to be leaving here soon, college basketball world obviously losing a Titan in that respect, but also the justice it feels like. It's going to be against a former player of his, a guy that has been an assistant coach under him, Jeff Capel. It really does feel like it's just so right.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does, and here we are, as you said, it's the month of March. Today is March 1st, so it's the best time of the year for Duke basketball fans Uh, Last year was the first time in over 25 years that Duke did not make the NCAA tournament. And so going into these last couple of games, it feels good to have tournament conversations. And you're right, the final road game tonight in the career of Mike Krzyzewski at Pittsburgh against a former player, like you said, in Jeff Capel, an associate head coach. I don't know that there is anyone else I would rather see Duke go up against than a Jeff Capel coach team. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm ready for every camera shot of the two embracing before and after the game. I'm ready for all of it, and I think a lot of Duke fans are as well.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to see this because I know, obviously, Pitt isn't the the team that you kind of look at and say is some marquee team in the ACC. Certainly they are not. They're one of the worst, in fact. I think they're 12th right now in the conference. But this is a Jeff Capel team that has historically, even when Pitt hasn't been great, These battles have been pretty good um, between Coach K and and Capel. I mean, Pitt won last year, obviously, that explosive game at the Pete, where everyone thought Pitt was back and then they weren't. Um, You know, this is a really good one. And then the history, of course, down there in North Carolina between these two. These two guys are ACC guys through and through. They're Duke guys through and through. And you're going to see all that, kind of the layers, because Coach K has seen Jeff Capel grow up from a – a young guy that was you know, a great guard for Duke and played on many tournament teams and has now become a head coach of three different programs.
0: Exactly, and won a national championship as an assistant coach with the Duke Blue Devils, did Jeff Capel. And look, it's going to be a tough game tonight from the Pitt perspective. Duke right now, the number four team in the entire country with a 25-4 and four record. And with a win tonight over Pitt, Duke secures at least – a share of the ACC regular season tournament or championship uh, before the ACC tourney starts next week. Pitt at just 11 and 18 overall in the season. Tough times uh, this year for the Panthers. I know there's uh, buyout conversations that you've been having on Locked On Pitt in recent weeks, which is never a good spot for uh, any fan base to be in with their coach, and it stings a little bit knowing that Capel is a Duke guy, knowing that he did have some good runs at VCU in Oklahoma at previous stops, but to see that uh, it's not working out so well this year is, is certainly tough.
1: Yeah, it's been a, an up and down year, a topsy-turvy year for Pitt. Uh, it's been a year where they've had some really bad luck, and I don't think Jeff Capel has completely gotten the fair sweet deal of it all, but also it, it's year four now, and you're starting to see patterns emerge and troubling patterns at that. And I think that's why you have to have those conversations and, and we'll certainly talk about that more. But, you know, they're get, it's getting into murky waters here for Jeff Capel. And I do think the overlying thing is that he thought this job that Pitt had, you know, Pitt back in, just a decade ago was obviously a perennial, perennial tournament team. They were always one of the better teams in the Big East. And then as they moved to the ACC, they still went to the tournament a lot in their first few years under Jamie Dixon. Then Dixon goes to TCU. They have this fractured marriage. Kevin Stong and kind of wrecks the program. And, and Jeff Capel thought he could resurrect it. It's a, I think it's been a tougher job than he thought it would be.
0: No doubt. I mean, absolutely. You mentioned uh, the Kevin Stallings years were just disastrous to watch from afar and, and getting to compete against Pitt many years in the ACC wasn't someone that you necessarily worried about. Uh, it's always fun for all of the Coach K former assistants to get head coaching jobs of their own. I mean, you mentioned him being a titan of the sport. He's one of the greatest of all time. He's got more wins than anyone else that's ever coached on a college basketball sideline. And with that being said, when he does have assistant coaches – that work in the ACC, like Notre Dame with Mike Bray, a former Duke assistant, it's always bittersweet when you compete head-to-head against those guys. I know it was special for Capel to get the win over Duke a year ago, Uh, but I think once these coaches walk away from Durham and walk away from the best players in the country and then have to go do it by themselves, they kind of realize just how difficult it is. And not to say Jeff Capel didn't know what he was getting into. I mean, look, you talk about this a lot. This guy coached Blake Griffin at Oklahoma has had some really talented players over the years, but it's just different when you're not in Durham anymore.
1: It is. And and I think, you know, yes, he can learn certain things from coach K you can obviously take those lessons, but when you're on your own, it's a whole different animal. And I think this is what coach Capel has essentially thought about and seen is that having a program where you are rebuilding it from the ground up, essentially Pitt was, one of the worst jobs in the power five, power six, whatever you want to say it It is, you know, it was a terrible job. I mean, they had just gone 0-18 in the conference. And if you know how hard it is to go winless in conference play, even if you're really bad, usually you can scoot your way into one win. Pitt didn't have many ACC talented players. I think, you know, they did have a few players there, like Parker Stewart and Marcus Carr, now two guys that are obviously doing pretty well, Texas and Indiana respectively. But there weren't a lot of ACC caliber players on that team. It was a really bad team. And so Coach Capel had to recruit the whole squad back, had to make sure then with the advent of the transfer portal that he could keep everyone. And obviously that didn't come to fruition. There were a lot of things that happened behind the scenes and that have come up. But a lot has really gone the way of the south for Coach Capel, unfortunately, and his squad.
0: I want to get into the nitty-gritty about this Pitt team and get a little bit more focused on tonight's matchup against A top five Duke Blue Devils team. I'll ask Nick Faribault, the host of Locked On Pit, about the Panthers. After this, you're listening to Locked On Crossover, Duke and Pit, coming up in just a moment. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at March Madness and RunYourPool.com. March Madness starts today. It's March 1st. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework, and we're running brackets with run, RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or PickX. Both are really fun in their own way. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks, all the stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that when we're using the service if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on and while you're there create your own pool for your friends and family enter pure madness at checkout for ten dollars off your custom pool all the rules and details will be available there that's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize we look forward to seeing and beating you there the month of March is here. It's March 1st. March Madness is right around the corner, and we're talking college basketball today on this Locked On Crossover Edition. My name is JJ Jackson. Duke fans know me as the host of Locked On Blue Devils. Nick Faribault is with me as well. Pitt fans know him as the host of Locked On Pitt each and every day. Fun game coming up tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern tip-off at Pitt. You can watch the game on the ACC Network. 11-18 and 18 overall on the season. Tell me a little bit about these last few weeks of basketball for the Panthers, Nick.
1: Well, we want to talk about a roller coaster. I mean, that's (laughs) what it's been. You know, Pitt gets essentially crushed down in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. They lose a pretty spirited game at, at the Pete against Virginia Tech too. Virginia Tech had... An unbelievable shooting stretch. I think it was they had not missed a a basket in twelve minutes of game time at one point in that game. Wow. Um they they were shooting 80% from three, and it wasn't a small percentage either. They were like 10 of 12 from downtown in the first half. And then Pitt kind of did the same thing in the second half. It was unbelievable. I don't think I'll ever see a game like it again. Ended up being 76 to 71, which is crazy. Um, but but then you saw them lose those two games, but then bounce back on the road, beat. Florida State on the road, and that was a good win. It was a grinded-out grinded type of win. They come home, defeat NC State, a game that they really needed to win. and They wanted to win. And then, of course, they go down to Chapel Hill and shock UNC and Huber-Davis and pull off a massive upset. Now, that was obviously a big one. And, you know, people thought, oh, maybe Pitt's turning the corner here now and, and they're coming down the road. And then they go back home and they drop a game to a really bad Georgia Tech team. Um, That that was really bad. And then they come out and get absolutely run off their own court by Miami. And it really was just a, a cycle of emotions because you saw the high of the win against North Carolina. Well, just a week later, Pitt comes out with arguably their two worst performances in two months and really drops the ball against a winnable game against Georgia Tech and where really i know that you know miami's a better team than Pitt, but there's no reason you should be getting run off your own court losing by 30 uh at one point really i know that game ended up with being a 21 point victory for miami it was a lot worse than it actually appeared um pit made a nice late run that that got them within i think 18 it was 32 at one point miami was up it was a complete domination so it's been a rough patch for this squad and again They've been injured a lot. It, it's been a team that has cycled through different lineups trying to find out what's working, what's going right. But this is also a team that now is as healthy as it's been all year. And you cannot have performances like that down the stretch, especially because this has been a Jeff Capel staple here at Pitt where the teams have fallen apart late in the year. And if that continues to happen, it's not just a problem, it's a pattern. And if it's a pattern, you know, that's where the talks start to come on It's Does he come back? Is he the right man for the job? All those questions start to rise up.
0: So a three-game winning streak and then dropping a couple of games going into uh, tonight's matchup against Duke, and notably that win against North Carolina. That was awesome for Duke fans to watch, knowing that Capel got the Tar Heels again and how heated uh, that rivalry is between those teams. Nick, tell us a little bit about the Pittsburgh players on the roster, the notable guys to be on the lookout for with all due respect to Pitt this season. They don't have top five draft picks like Paula Bancara or AJ Griffin that I'll elaborate on a little bit further. So give us the rundown on some of the standout guys.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Pitt again, doesn't have those lottery guys, but I think they have a few really talented players. Uh, I think, the issue with this pit team is that they don't have a lot of depth, but their starting five are a potent starting five. And it's why you can see them beat teams like North Carolina or compete with a lot of teams like Virginia. Um, they've competed with, with top teams. And so you have guys like John Hughley, who uh, really stood out in that game against UNC. He took Armando Baycott and made him a complete non-factor and John Hughley has been one of the better big men in the ACC all year. And this is is where pitch strength is. Their front court is very good. Their two guys, Mo Gee, Mohamedou Gee, and and John Hughley are two very good guys. Now, Gee's a bit of an interesting Four, because he's a stretch four that can shoot the three. He's a great shot blocker, one of the best shot blockers in the ACC. But he's also got guard-like skills. A guy that started out 5'10 at Stony Brook, shot all the way up to 6'10 by the time he's at now. So he's got these guard-like skills at that size. He's a very unique player, can stretch the floor, can bang down low, a really good rebounder with his length. He's a tough defender. He's really the crux of their defense. If they can get him in foul trouble, if if Duke can get Mogi or John Hewley in foul trouble – You're going to see a lot of different areas. And they love to get the ball down in the low block there to John Hughley. He's that type of guy who can really bang down low with about anyone. Obviously, this will be a really good test for him. I think this is the test of the season for John Hughley. If he could do it to Armando Baycott, you think he can do it to a lot of different guys. But the question is, can he do it to Mark Williams? I don't know. We'll see. That's going to be a really good matchup to watch. Yeah. Outside of that, the guards for Pitt, I think the guards for Pitt as well are very talented. Jamarius Burton's a, their point guard mainly. Um, they don't really have a true point guard, which has always been an issue, so they turn the ball over a lot, but they have two secondary ball handlers in Femi Odukali and Jamaris Burton. Burton is a mid-range sniper. Uh, if you look at him, that's exactly what he does. He's a guy that drives to the basket and can hit you with a spinning hook shot, a fadeaway. Any, from anywhere in the mid-range game, he can hit you, and his three-point shooting has gotten a lot better as time's gone on as well. Kelly's a guy that if he's on, he's one of the most dangerous players you'll face, but if he's not on, it's going to be an issue. Then you have Ithiel Horton, and Horton's the guy that has come back recently from his suspension. He's their three-point sniper. If he's on, watch out. And in Pitt's three game win streak, he averaged over 20 points per game. He averaged, I think, six threes per game. This was a guy that was really feeling it. The last two games, he has not been very good. He's been a defensive liability. But if he's on, Ithio Horton gives them types of gravity that open things up for Guy, O'Ducali, Burton. It, he opens the floor for everyone up. So he gives them more spacing. So if he's on, you know, again, Pitt's not, I don't think Pitt's going to win this game under any circumstance, whatever. But if, if Ithio Horton's on, this game can at least be a little bit more competitive than people might think.
0: Yeah, so we take a look at the numbers and a deeper dive into this, talking about Duke and Pitt coming up a little bit later tonight. Appreciate you watching or listening to this Locked On crossover edition of Pitt and Blue Devils. So very different stories offensively for these teams. Duke in the conference, while they're positioned first in the league, they're also the greatest scoring offense in the ACC, averaging 80.1 points per game. Their last outing on Saturday against Syracuse, Duke put 97 points on the scoreboard. Pitt, meanwhile, is dead last. The Panthers averaging 62.5 points per game. And hearing the rundown, I mean, that's as in-depth of coverage for Pitt basketball that I've seen recently, Nick. what? Why has this team struggled so much offensively?
1: Well, yeah, it, it, it's the fact that they really only have five players. You see I only mentioned five guys. Off the bench, it's a lot of question marks. Onyebuchi is a who is their fourth guard, and sometimes their defender slash point guard that they bring on. He's a walk-on that got put on scholarship this year. He's not a guy that should be playing as much as he has this year. Noah Collier is a young athletic guy, but he's a developmental guy. He's not ready to play just yet. Will Jeffress is an 18-year-old sophomore who is still feeling out his game, doesn't have the confidence in his shot. Really good defender, really good rebounder. He'll give you quality minutes, 10 minutes or so, but he's not going to give you a quality scoring output they don't really have a scorer off the bench and that's been an issue and so that's where they miss a guy like Nike sabandi who tours acl before the season and so they miss him he's their kind of dribble drive slasher that can shoot off dribble and do all these different types of things that they don't really have and so they're a very very short team they they are going to play with five and they're going to play with their five a lot i think all these guys that are starting right now over the past five or six games are averaging 35 plus minutes. So they play a lot of minutes and it's really just those five. So you only have to worry about the five. So if Odukali off and Burton's off, it's three guys, essentially. So all five of them have to be on at all times. And that's partially why this team hasn't been as good as they should be, because the team is so lack, has a lack of depth that requires these guys to play at a high level every night. Now, obviously you just can't rely on that. Guys are going to have off nights. Guys are not going to play well and there's just no options off the bench to relieve a guy like Odukele if he's not having a, a good day or Hughley's not having his day they don't really have another big um to go to. They don't have another guy if if one of these bigs gets into foul trouble that's when it really gets into an issue. Moge has had an issue of getting into foul trouble as of recent and he's such a glue guy for them defensively and offensively that when he goes out things just change drastically. So it's it's an issue uh, if one of these guys gets into foul trouble. And that's why they've struggled. Again, it's not that they don't have a talented guy. These five guys are talented. They're, they're solid players. The issue is that the depth is just not there. And if one of these guys has an off night, it's kind of curtains.
0: Let's talk a little bit about this Duke basketball team. I'll have Nick ask me a couple of questions. We've got one more break due up here. And still to come, plenty more basketball talk later tonight. Duke versus Pittsburgh, 8 o'clock Eastern tip on the ACC Network.
1: Folks, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as other coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to this episode of Locked On Crossover. Nick Fairbairn, host of Locked On Pit, here with JJ Jackson, the host of Locked On Blue Devils, as we continue to talk a little bit about this Pit-Duke matchup. Obviously, this one is a matchup that is highly scrutinized among pit fans <laughs> thinking they're going to get crushed. And here's why I guess we'll learn a little bit more. JJ, give me a little bit of rundown about this Duke team. Obviously they have a few big names. Paulo Vanchero obviously is a big name, but it, are there guys that, you know, maybe do could talk about enough that Pitt has to, has to worry about because obviously the matchup here, it's not great for Pitt.
0: Yeah. And Paulo gets the headlines. That's for sure. He's a projected top three pick. A lot of people make the case for him to be the number one overall pick, but What's a great thing about this Duke basketball team in terms of the next level and guys that you're going to see is there's been a point in the season. It's up and down with draft stocks always fluctuating and that sort of thing. But there are moments in the year, and it can certainly change again this way in March, where Duke has five projected first-round picks – On the roster. That's only happened once before, and that was Kentucky. And Duke has the chance to tie that. Obviously, we mentioned Mark Williams a little bit earlier. The seven foot one center for Duke is coming off the best game of his college career on Saturday against Syracuse, where he scored a career high 28 points and 12 rebounds. Really dominant, it took a, you know, Syracuse is always playing that zone defense and to find the inside, get some putback dunks and that sort of thing. Mark was excellent in that regard. So he's someone to be on the lookout for if Duke decides to play a little bit bigger with Paulo and Mark and getting it going down low. Also, you've got Trevor Keels, a freshman guard for the Blue Devils, who had a 25-point performance in the very first game of the season against Kentucky, a top-10 matchup. He made himself a household name at that point. Keels missed three games in the middle portion of the season with a knee injury, but he's been back gaining more confidence. And Duke has yet to lose a game this season when Trevor Keel scores at least 13 points. He's a shooter. He's a driver. He looks like a middle linebacker dribbling the basketball to the rim and finishing in that regard. So he's someone to certainly be on the lookout for. You've got also A.J. Griffin. He has been one of the biggest risers in all of college basketball. He is shooting 49.7% from three-point range. Unbelievable numbers. He was 6 of 10 from deep. You mentioned some shooting for Pittsburgh. A.J. Griffin has been the standard for Duke. His dad is an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. He's grown up in a basketball family, and A.J. Griffin is likely going to be a lottery pick when it's all said and done at the end of the season. You've got Wendell Moore Jr., who's played against Pitt throughout his career, who uh, had a couple of seasons where his freshman year he had the big game winner against Chapel Hill, against the Tar Heels on a lay-in there at the buzzer. He's had an up-and-down year, but he's a big leader for this Duke team. And then also you've got Jeremy Roach, another point guard for Duke, uh, who played high school basketball with Trevor Keels. When Jeremy Roach controls the pace, can share the basketball, Duke's at its best. And so, yeah, there are a lot of names to be on the lookout for when it comes to Duke basketball a little bit later tonight if you're a Pitt fan watching this. And, and I know Pitt's not going to be in the uh, NCAA tournament unless a miracle happened and they found a way to win all the games up there in Brooklyn at the ACC tournament. So I think this is a fun team that Pitt should absolutely want to root for once it comes to March.
1: Yeah, it is a fun team, and it's a deep team. And I think it's it's they complement each other very well because yeah. Duke has a lot of different lineups they can play. I think that they have a lot of different – ideas working there and coach K has always been a guy that can work multiple lineups and and play to the matchup extremely well um so now I guess if there's if you look at the close Duke games or the losses Duke has had has there been a commonality factor to it? Is if Pitt is going to keep this close somehow and make this a game where coach K and Jeff Capel are both going to sweat on the sidelines at the peak What's it going to take?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, one, it's forcing turnovers. When Duke has lost, they have not taken good care of the basketball. I think that's true for any college basketball team out there. We mentioned Duke being the top-scoring offense in the country. So if the defense can kind of force Duke into tougher shots and not find the ball on the interior to Mark Williams or Paulo and, and really test them to make sure their shots are falling that night, I think Pitt's going to be in a good position. And then the other thing, Nick, that I'll tell you, is this Duke basketball team is one of the top teams not only in the ACC but all of college basketball defending the three-point line. So if Pitt were to have a night where they're making tons and tons of threes from the outside, that's upset potential right there. So I think those are a couple of key factors. If Pitt can turn Duke over, if they can make shots from the outside, and then in addition to that, if they can make Duke take tough shots when Pitt is on the defensive end, they'll be in a good spot.
1: And that was the formula for Pitt against North Carolina. They shot their best percentage from three. Uh, they shot 56% from downtown in that game. Ithiel Horton, over that stretch, I think he had six threes in that game against UNC, seven against Nor- uh, Florida State. So this was a guy that could get going, and if he's hot, he's hot. Absolutely. And so I think he's kind of the X factor for Pitt if they're going to keep it close. But Duke overall, it, it seems like they're going to – probably put this on Pitt and Paolo Banchero and Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels. They have so many different ways to beat you for, for a Jeff Capel led team that's now coming in, you know, all, he, they were tired. Jeff Capel said now they have a little break. I guess when you look at this Duke team, what is the the one area of weakness or is there an area of weakness that you look at personnel wise that you think Pitt could attack in this game?
0: That's a good question. I, I think in the backcourt would probably be, and that's a little surprising, so you're going to get the headlines from the likes of, of Mark Williams and Paulo Bencaro on the inside, but when Duke has their guards not making shots, they become very inefficient, and then sometimes Paulo can have some of his most inefficient performances. Paulo Bencaro has only scored in single digits twice this season. Both times, Duke played Virginia, and the Blue Devils went one and one in those games. So if you're trying to key in on one group, I definitely would say the backcourt, the Jeremy Roaches, the Trevor Keels, the Wendell Moore Juniors, if they are inefficient shooting the basketball from the outside, if Joey Baker can add anything from three-point range, or if he comes in and he's just completely missing, that's where Pitt should look to attack because you're going to be in a good spot uh, competing against Duke.
1: Yeah, and that, again, that's going to be a tough one for to Pitt because Pitt is a team that primarily works inside the paint. They got to right. try to get it to Gee and Hughley, so – they're going to have to change it. They're going to have to go out in this time. It's going to be Ithiel Horton. It's going to be Jamarius Burton. Pitt's backcourt is going to really have to play well today, uh, I think, in order to win this game. But overall, when you look at this game and you look at this team Duke has, what's at stake for today's game? And overall, where do you think this team's going to go as they continue to go into March?
0: Yeah, I think the Stuke team is trending in the right direction. As I said, just had 97 points on Saturday against Syracuse in the final meeting between Mike Shashevsky and Jim Beheim. For the first time ever, Jim Beheim, who's been at Syracuse for 40 plus years, much like Mike Shashevsky, a Beheim led team, lost to the same opponent by 20 plus points twice in the same season. So Duke's figuring things out offensively. I think that's a sign of good things to come. Uh, Saturday is going to be absolutely electric, and every college basketball fan, every sports fan, should want to take in Saturday when Mike Krzyzewski walks into Cameron Indoor Stadium for the final time and competes in college basketball's finest rivalry. But you look at tonight's matchup in particular, what's at stake. As I said a little bit earlier, if Duke wins tonight, they claim a share – of the regular season championship in the ACC, something the Blue Devils have not accomplished in over a decade, which is pretty surprising. Duke will be two or three in the regular season and absolutely win a couple of ACC tournament titles within the last decade, but haven't outright won the league in over a decade. So that's what's at stake in particular. You look at some of the numbers, I always like to share with Locked On Blue Devils fans what the ESPN Basketball Power Index is thinking about the matchup. And right now, Duke has a 94.3% chance to win this game, which means if you're a Pitt fan, just a 5.7 percent chance to knock off the Duke Blue Devils. But there's a chance, Nick, and that's all it takes. There's a chance for this to be done.
1: There's a chance. And for, what's at stake for Pitt? It, it would be the wow, the biggest upset in years um, for this Pitt team. And Jeff Capel's had a few of them under this team. They've they've gone into Florida State and knocked them off a few times when you would not expect it. Leonard Hamilton's teams have have been an issue. Uh, for Jeff Capel at times, but at other times, so is Pitt. Um, Pitt has pulled off some upsets that you would not expect him to do, but again, this one would be on a different level. This would be and, – and for Capel to do it in the final road game against Coach K would absolutely be crazy, I think. But again, Pitt only has six conference wins. Yeah, it'd be nice to get the seventh, but it's not really what you – are attaining to it doesn't there's not much at stake here tonight for Pitt, is what i will say i don't think anything's really going to change much for jeff capel in terms of what his outlook is next year and i i think he i think he clinched himself a fifth year through a few factors won the buyouts like 15 million dollars they're not it's not made of that money uh they they are made of that money they could pull it out but Obviously the, po- the football program is going through the, the roof right now and they really right. don't want to take any money from that. And then when you look at it, Jeff Capel, I think with that upset win against UNC, there's talent here. There's at least something to build on. If you can keep the guys you have, maybe Pitt can be in the conversation where wake forest is next year and, and different things can happen. So not much at stake today, a, a great, Upset for, I guess, a Capel disciple, for a coach, K disciple rather, uh, would be the biggest thing. It would be a, a personal thing for, for Jeff Capel, and that would be unbelievable, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see how this game plays out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm certainly going to be watching every second of it, and uh, on tomorrow's show, we'll recap it all. I know you'll do the same on Locked on Pit moving forward. What, a, what fun this was, Nick. I really enjoyed doing this. We had a lot of fun during football season, so glad that with our teams meeting once this basketball season, we were able to do something like this. Please, everybody, go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Pit YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Locked On Blue Devils YouTube channel. Great content coming here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow our shows on uh, social media, and, and make sure you leave us five-star rating and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. I had a whole lot of fun, Nick. Thanks, man.
1: Thanks for having this happen, JJ. And as always, folks, as I always say, thanks for listening. I always say hail to Pitt because that's the end mantra for this show on Locked on Pitt. So as we end this Locked on crossover, I'll say it. Hail to Pitt.